0: Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello and welcome to this week's AF Mentors live Q&A. Sorry if there is some background noise. I'm in a hotel and this seems to be quite a loud fan, but hopefully... It's not particularly annoying. Something interesting that I listened to this week was a podcast on reframing taxes. And this is something that as a self-employed person, everyone should understand, like you will have to pay taxes. And actually figuring this out properly from the start is a really important thing to do so you don't get caught out on this. I know that a lot of personal trainers don't pay tax, but one of the things about online coaching is that everything is traceable, right? So pay your taxes for various reasons, but that is just a general um, recommendation from me. You are welcome. And there will come a point where if you're not already a limited company, that would be an important step to make and potentially a very cost-effective way of continuing to make profit with your personal training or coaching. So make sure that you are speaking to an accountant about that. And I have various accountants that I'm more than happy to refer you guys to. So message me or tag me in the group and I can send you that information. So what was interesting about this is, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a push um, to reframe tax into, it's a positive thing, but I mean it's not that much of a push like I don't think it's a push to say it's a positive thing it's a push to say that you should enjoy paying tax but it does mean unless you're avoiding tax that your business is doing better like you don't pay tax on money that you don't make essentially unless you structure your business in a very strange way which I actually did for a period of time and um, actually I'll share this because hopefully it will be useful to people and they won't do it And both Amelia and I did this, so you can learn from our mistakes. But essentially, if you have coaches and you are VAT registered, and the way that you pay your coaches is, say, let's say for simplicity's sake, it was £200 to work with Catherine. I take £200 and I give her a percentage, but I am paying tax on that full £200 even though I don't keep that £200. So depending on how you're setting up your business, these are things you need to consider. If you are VAT registered, you pay VAT on all of that money, not just the corporation tax on your profits. So that's something that you really have to think about when you're taking on coaches, how you're gonna structure that. I have gone slightly off topic because I wanted to talk about reframing paying tax. Aside from all of that, right, you don't normally pay tax on money you haven't made, which means that your business is doing very well, right? So the the bigger your tax bill actually, yeah, like the better your business is doing. unless you're you're avoiding tax in some way. So that's how you can reframe paying tax. The interesting part about this, because that's kind of simple and um, not that insightful, but the interesting part is that the reason that people don't like paying tax is because of loss aversion, i.e. you feel like you are losing something that you already have because that money is in your bank account and you can see it, But really you don't really have it. This is why I would suggest having a separate bank account or a separate like pot within your bank account that is your tax money. So when you get paid anything, you're like, I'm gonna put twenty percent in there. Now it might be that you then take money out of there again, because corporation tax this year anyway is nineteen percent. And once you take off your expenses and things, like actually you'll be paying less tax than that. But but then you're like, oh great, I'm getting more money back, as opposed to thinking, shit. I spent all this money because I kind of thought I was doing really well. I mean, you are doing really well, but I kind of thought I was doing better than I am potentially financially, and I didn't really even think about tax. That's not a position you want to be in. At the end of the year, you want to be like, here's the tax pot. Great accountant. What's my tax thing? And they're like, oh, it's less than what you thought. And you're like, oh, bloody A, that's great. And now you're Australian. And that's basically how tax works. You're welcome. Anyway, loss aversion. Loss aversion is a cognitive bias which explains why individuals feel the pain of loss twice as intensely than the equivalent pleasure gain. And as a result of this, individuals tend to try to avoid losses in whatever way possible. So if you think about it being twice as much, like you would have to gain, like you would have to find 20 pounds to get the same joy that you would get from losing 10 pounds, no, because you wouldn't get joy from losing 10 points, to to equal out losing 10 pounds, right? You'd need to find 20 pounds. That's like a good way to think about it. And what I thought was quite interesting is, or it made me think of another cognitive bias, which is very similar, called regret aversion. And this is one of the reasons that we struggle so much to make decisions or that we put them off because we're worried about regretting that decision. Now, normally, you actually regret indecision more than you regret a quote-unquote wrong decision. But it's when a lot of people stay in this indecision phase because they're like, I don't want to make a choice in case it's the wrong choice. And that leads to stagnation a lot of the time. But anyway, I thought that was quite an interesting and somewhat refreshing way to think about tax. So now, without further ado, I will get on to this week's questions. Question one is from the incredible Alexandra. And it says, Trainerize have created a free product option to allow for trials. By the way, My PG Hub does this as well, and I don't know about other apps, but I'm sure many of them do this. Uh, she says, I'm thinking I'll do this prior to the next intake on the 5th of September. When do you think is the best time to do this? Exactly one week prior, so they sign up and begin straight away. If so, when would be the best time to promote it? One week prior to that, when space is open for group coaching or longer? So I've done numerous free trials, usually in a group. I've never actually put people onto my PC Hub, although it is something I've thought about doing and I think will work quite well because they're kind of getting a full experience. Um, I would probably leave something out. So they're not getting absolutely everything. Maybe you want people to get like a bit, but not quite everything before they sign up. So that when they do sign up, they're getting that something extra. So normally the way I've done that is basically run a group and they'll get something i think one time it was more about mindset or maybe it was like daily workouts with some gratitude as well or i think one time i did a a focus on like yeah you can't get incredible fat loss results in a week but you can feel significantly different in a week if you implement these things it was all about how you felt as the result that worked really well as well um but but again Then when they sign up, they get something much more like then I set their targets, then they get allocated a coach, then they get like the coaching experience. So you're kind of with the free trial, you've got to think about what is it that I want to get out of this free trial? Sign ups is not the answer. Like obviously that is part of the answer. But what is it that I want to show people? I want them to get to know me. I want them to see how I can help them. I want them to understand what online coaching is and the value of online coaching. And I want them to get some kind of benefit from it just within this week. So you kind of want to like tease them in, but you also don't want to give them absolutely everything in regards to when you do it. I think it leading straight into being able to sign up is great. I would potentially even leave a week. So you would have like, let's say you're having a two week sign up period. The first week of that sign up period is your free week. And then they've got a week to sign up for the coaching program which starts the week after, obviously. I think that's normally how I would try and time it. A lot of the time I run out of time. (laughs) So it ends up just being the week before and then people sign up on the weekend to start. And that also works quite well. When I say works well, this is interesting because I will always do something to launch a programme, but the numbers are always quite similar. So it's very hard to tell which one is working best. (laughs) Um, But keeping data on things like that is usually quite useful. Although it's, like I said, it's hard to distinguish which one is working well, or actually if I did nothing, would I have got the same numbers? Who knows, but I'm not one to do nothing. So that's the other thing. I think with the free group, make it something that you want to give anyway. And I'm all about this, and I mean, you know this because we speak about this so much on AFM, but give without expectation. What can you give to your following for a week that's going to benefit them? That's the focus of the free group or the free week. As opposed to thinking, how will I then get them to sign up? Like, the focus should just be give without expectation. And actually, even if no one signed up, I actually quite want to do this. That's what I did with all of the... I've been recently more doing a podcast a day in some kind of series with some kind of topic to get people ready to start a programme. And that's kind of been like a free bit of coaching. It's not everything obviously, but they listen to me every day. So I'm in their head every day. And it gives good exposure and obviously it gets podcast listens up. And it means that people who are about to start the program also get this lead in that I want them to have. So it kind of, what's that saying? Hits hits loads of birds with one stone, kills two birds with one stone, whatever. You know what I mean? Does lots of things with one thing, right? (laughs) Gosh, I'm very good at sayings. Anyway, that, I think, is really, really useful. And the, the reason that I'm motivated to do that is because I'm like, if nobody signs up from that, I don't care because I want to do it anyway. And I actually want to do it for my current clients anyway. So that's the whole killing two birds with one stone. Okay, James. James. Currently restructuring my monthly review form. Just wondering what information that I should be aiming to gather in addition to the info I'm getting weekly on their check-ins. Thanks in advance. The content on AFM is gold. You're welcome. And anyone listening who's not on AFM, you can sign up to AFM at afmentors.com if you want some gold content. And much help with your business, of course. Okay. Re-monthly reviews. I'm actually going to send you the review that I use for clients. It's not monthly. It's at the end of, end of each programme for people that are staying on. But essentially it talks through. There's also a podcast that goes with it. Or actually it's a video. But anyway, it's also recorded as a podcast. So I would recommend doing this as well because it can get a bit samey, right? You're doing the same check-in week on week, which is exactly, James, why you're right. The monthly review should be slightly different. And you're looking back over a longer period of time as well. So you can ask about like trends, like what are the things that you've struggled with, not just this week, which is like quite small, but like generally over the month. And that's going to tell you a lot more. Because if they're always like, you know, one weekend doesn't really tell you very much. Whereas if it's every single weekend, you're like, Okay, we can see a trend here. We can see what's happening over this period of time. And it's also long enough for them to start to see results as well, or not. And if they're not, then you can figure out why they're not seeing those results. So like, the, the questions will be similar, but they're more about a longer period of time, which means you can ask a slightly broader questions. Um, and I would start thinking about resetting goals. So you should have these long-term goal, short-term, like, medium-term goal, and then, like, a short-term goal. And, like, a month would kind of be a short-term goal. I guess you could break that down into what do I need to do this week to get me to that short-term monthly goal but assess that and then hold them accountable to it. And it's really easy to do if it's all on form. Okay, last month when we did your monthly review, we'll send it back to them. Here's your monthly review from last month. When you do this one, check back on that and say, you know, what did I say I was going to do last month? Have I done it this month? Exactly what we ask you to do with the business review. You told me you were going to start a podcast last month. Where is it? Because you've not started it yet. And then not just that, but why haven't you? Like you said you were going to get into going to the gym three times a week but you've not managed that, like what are the barriers that are holding you back? How can I help you? Would it actually be easier for you to do home workouts twice a week and maybe you can get to the gym once a week? Like break it down, that's where the coaching comes in. So you're really asking these questions kind of to find out where people need more support and that should help you with the the specific questions. But I will also send you the one that I use because maybe it'll give you some ideas and maybe you'll add on to those ideas a little bit and, and put your own spin on it. And you can also listen to the podcast that is linked with that because that's all about the importance of all of this and the importance of the questions that you're asking yourself and the importance of setting goals and how you set goals. And honestly, without that knowledge, there is no buy-in. And when there is no buy-in, there is no results. Like if people, if you send people a kind of like monthly questionnaire and they don't see the value in doing that monthly questionnaire or the monthly review they won't get anything from it. If you teach them the value of it and you say why this is so important and the impact it will have, then you've got the buy-in there. So make sure that you do something alongside it. It could even be, and I've done this quite recently, like changed my type form to kind of explain each question a little bit more. So instead of just saying, what's your goal? I'm like, I ask you your goal each week because I want to remind you of your goal each week. That probes your response of, Okay, if I'm saying my goal is fat loss, did I act in any way in accordance to that goal? And then you have to own that. Okay, no, I didn't. And I'm still saying this is my goal. And if it's truly still my goal, I need to change my actions. And explain each question as to why you're asking that question and what the importance of that question is. Okay, another question here from... Ooh, something's just popped up. From Alexandra. Emma Story Gordon, that's me. You sent me your... Uh, commit to six Google Sites link before to see how it was all set up. I went ahead with Facebook instead, but now I'm thinking Google Sites members resource area would be better because not many people are using Facebook as we all have an in-app chat. Could you send me the link again please so I can go have another browse? A browse. I've hunted for this on the page, but I've no idea what what post you linked it on. Yeah, all right. I will. I will. I'll do that for you. Um, yeah, I'll send you that. Sorry, I probably didn't need to read that out on the podcast, but um, yeah. And that's what we do, guys, on AFM. Share, care, share resources. And I fully know, and this is why I don't mind sharing it, and this is why I encourage, like, this is why the mastermind is so good. This is why the group is so good, because we can be like, oh, this is the, the Google Forms I'm using, or this is the type form I'm using, or these are the questions I'm asking, or have you ever thought about asking this question? Because everyone's client is so different, everyone's experience is so different, and I know that Alexandra will look at that and be like, oh yeah, that bit would be really useful, but actually I would never have any of this stuff in, or that's not applicable to my clients, or that's not how I coach. And actually I would add this, this, and this. But having some kind of template as a bit of an inspiration, um, (laughs) they're inspiring. But the whole point is that you see others, and this is the essence of AFM, like you see others and other coaches as, inspiration you get inspiration from them you don't imitate them and that's where people trip up and that's what i see a lot not to throw shade but throwing shade in other mentorships, where it's like this is how you do it here's a template do it the same like no no, no. everyone on afm is a unique coach and their unique selling point what makes them incredible coaches is that they are different not that they're mini versions of me or mini versions from another coach or following the exact same template with a different name in there like the whole point is that you're different. No one is coming to you because you're the same, because you're a generic PT. They're coming to you for who you are and why you're different. And if you're struggling to see your worth, I just did a reel on this actually. If you're struggling to see your worth, an amazing question to ask yourself is how much would I pay to get all of the experience and all of the knowledge that I have back? And sometimes I'll ask myself this question. Like I think the first time I really thought about it, I was like, wow like not to blow my own trumpet but like a fuck load of money i like it's it, immeasurable like there is no amount of money that i would be happy to sell all that for like starting from scratch and i mean with everything like some of it might not seem applicable like i worked in academia before i was a coach like, so much of it translates even your life like life experiences the relationships you've had the people you've met the upbringing that you've had all of it shapes you and who you are as a coach and yeah, of course, the courses you've done, the books you've read, the, the seminars that you've been to, the mentorships that you're on, all this stuff, like that's, that's kind of like almost like obvious stuff. But actually, all of the other stuff, everything that makes you the coach that you are, that's what's unique, that's what makes you different. And that is, and like, as cheesy as it is, that is priceless, guys. That is priceless. And that reminds you of how incredible you are and how, like, you couldn't even put a price on that. So, yeah, don't know how I got to that from Google Sites, but there we go. Oh, yeah, I do. I remember now. Okay. Daisy, Emma, sometimes I have a handful of clients I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall with. There's a handful that don't get their check-ins in on time, even when I send reminders on the group chat, which I shouldn't really need to do. They don't book in their monthly review call, don't respond to my messages, and just seems so unresponsive and uncommunicative. You know what I mean? When we do chat, I'm firm with what they need to do. They seem on it, and then back at back to the start. I get so frustrated, and I don't know how else to make it clear to them. I need them to to communicate for this to work. Any tips? Do I just keep bugging and pushing, or do I leave it? I worry if I leave it, they will leave because they because they feel I I've failed them i will failed them, they failed me, i failed them. I know what you mean. Lucy's also saying, I love this question. I am the same, I find myself blaming myself and wondering what more I could do, but equally I have done my best and you can't force someone to engage with you. Yeah, so this is quite an interesting question. I actually think you bending over backwards sometimes is the issue for both of you, Daisy and Lucy here, in that if they know that you're gonna chase them anyway, they're much less likely to do it. This is something that I have started implementing with my one-to-one clients now, and I think I might have spoken about it on the last live. But I forget, because I do so many lives, that I might be boring you with the same story, but I'm not sure. But it's a very, very useful thing to do. And that is, even though it's not like law-abiding, or whatever you call it, law-abiding? I don't know. It's not like a proper contract. Get them to sign a contract. This is very clearly what I expect of you. Do you think that you can do that for me? If they're like, no, don't think I can get check-ins in on time? They're not ready to change. This is what I need of you to get you results. If you want to work with me, you have to do this. And actually pushing them a little bit is really quite useful. Like, I I would quite like that if I was signing up with a coach and someone, and they were like, I expect this, this and this of you, can you do that for me? Because this is how you're going to get results. So I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah, mm, kind of like that, actually tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, enough of that. Sorry. I've been alone for quite a long time today. (laughs) So yeah. And I've been on four calls back to back, but the point here, back to the point here, which is that I would certainly get them to make sure that they agree to what you're asking them to do. And then you can say when they don't check in, like, you told me when you signed up that you would be prepared to check in before 12 on a Friday. You've not done that for three weeks. I need you to show some commitment. Like, if you are serious about the results you want, this is what you need to do. Now, if they come back and they're like, I can't do that, or I'm not serious about my results, that's fine. They are not the client for you. You are not the right client for every, for, you're not the right coach for every client, and equally, some clients just are not ready to change. And again, that's fine. Maybe they will come back to you when they are ready, but you can't, like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And sometimes the nicey nicely approach is what you're struggling with. If you're like to the horse, mate, if you don't drink, you're going to die. You will get dehydrated and you will die. It's much more likely. I mean, horses, I don't think, can understand humans, so maybe that wouldn't work. But being firm, often really does work and it's the same with you guys like I'm not I'm not an admin I'm not going to chase you around I'm not your mum I'm not going to tell you what to do if you want results you have to turn up you have to ask questions you have to put in the work I'm the same with my clients like if you want results you have to do the work there's no two ways around it like you can't just pay for a personal trainer and expect to get results just because you've signed up like there will be things that you have to do and look I've made a list of these things that I expect of you I don't expect you to be perfect on your diet every week, but I do expect you to communicate with me. And like, I mean, absolutely, if there's extenuating circumstances and they're like, oh my God, I was flying back from somewhere and the plane was delayed and I couldn't get my check-in on time, I'm so sorry. That is fine, it should be the exception, not the rule. If people are consistently not checking in on time when you've asked them to, or not like filling in their check-ins the way that they should and they're just giving one word answers, they are not respecting you enough as a coach. And they're not people that are ready to change. Unless, and there are certain circumstances where they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing it incredibly, like if, if they're getting incredible results, but they like giving one word check in responses, and they're happy enough with your service, fine, maybe they're a client that just doesn't really want or need that level of support. If it's people who are not getting results, not checking in, not communicating, and you're having to chase them up, it's not worth it. So I would make I would be quite firm with it. And obviously you can't with these people. Well, you actually you can. You can be like, this is the new contract I'm getting everyone to sign, and then just have a very clear, these are my expectations of you. Okie dokie. Right, Lucy. Any tips for dealing with the roller coaster of emotion that comes with running a business? Hmm. Hmm, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, last week I had some big wins and then today I've had a couple of lows and feel like you are constantly on your toes, which I know is probably a good thing, so you don't get too complacent, but equally sometimes it can be exhausting. It is exhausting. And that's the end of the live today, no, I'm joking. Ha ha ha, ha But it is, it can be exhausting, for sure. I think reminding yourself of actually the cognitive bias we started. we started with, that a loss hurts twice as much as a win so if you get and I, i mean there are some pieces of research that show way more than this and i'm sure you've experienced it yourself like you might have clients message you every day saying how incredible your coaching is and how much you've changed their life and how much your content is improving their relationship with food and their results and like incredible things and you get one person that's like yeah i signed up and i didn't really like the program And you're like oh my god i should leave personal training i should go and get a nine to five like it's not for me it's obviously not working i'm not serving my clients well like i I don't know what i'm doing really like you can question yourself so much and it also depends on things like time of the month like usually for me the week before my period even if one thing goes wrong i'm like do you know what just i just i mean never do i say that i want to ever work for anyone else because that is literally my fear but I am very down on myself, even when only the slightest thing happens that's wrong. And it is basically what you would suggest your clients do. Journal on it. Okay, what actually happened? Right. And what went so well last week? Cool. When I compare these two things, like, really, come on, why am I so annoyed that, I don't know, one client dropped off when actually last week I had three inquiries and one woman say that I completely changed her life? And look, I, I did three podcasts last week and I had loads of people sharing it and blah, 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 blah. Like, write it down because then you can rationalise it. And also, you know, like, share it in the group. Sometimes it's helpful to write these things out and then you'll realise that other people feel the same as well. Like, I can already see that people have liked this question, which means that other people feel that way as well. And it's true, like, as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, <laughs> why have I just turned into... <laughs> A complete knob as a business owner like you will experience that there are ups and downs and it is hard but i would say it's completely worth it so there you go there is there is this week's live i hope everyone can make the mastermind this week which i'm very excited about i'm sorry that this was technically not live because it's pre-recorded but i have been traveling all day in london and i don't think one anyone needs to see me right now and two i had no idea where I would be at this point. I also had very interesting experience at Third Space. Well, not really that interesting. Like, that sounds like something very strange happened. (laughs) But it was nice. It was cool to see how they run personal training in there. Um, Interestingly, everyone is employed. And I do think it's somewhere that if I was a brand new personal trainer coming into the industry I, I would really appreciate the experience of the more qualified personal trainers and the education program that you get and and yeah a lot of people to learn from which you don't get at all gyms so I think that is quite a unique thing I personally being the business savvy-ish person I mean I freaking hope pretty business savvy let's say that um person that I am I would hate to be employed as a personal trainer. I like being self-employed. But I actually know that a lot of people don't. And they're like, I would love personal training, but I'd also like a pretty steady income. And that is obviously an opportunity for people who are of that nature. Whereas I'm just a risky person, clearly. Okay, goodbye all. If anyone's listening to this and thinks that uh, they would be interested in signing up for AFM, even though I've been slightly strange today, then you can head over to afmentors.com.